We are not at war with the high supreme court. Let you me, want to bully the court, let me, don't you? The, the two? God forbid, no. When you cooperate with the state of Israel, your, your situation, economic situation and peace is far, far better than trying to attack us. We will not give up an inch of security because unfortunately they flip on us. There's turmoil in Israel with mounting demonstrations against the Prime Minister accused of corruption and mishandling the spiraling health crisis. My guest this week from Jerusalem is Nir Barkat, a former mayor of the city and a leading politician in Mr. Netanyahu's Likud party. Are the wheels finally coming off the Prime Minister's wagon? Nir Barkat, welcome to Conflict Zone. Prime Minister Netanyahu is under increasing pressure over accusations of corruption, which he's denied, and his handling of the pandemic. The approval rating on that seems to have sunk to just under 30%. How long before the party, Likud party, says enough and it's time he stood aside, at least temporarily? Well, first of all, shalom from Jerusalem. Um, I think the biggest challenge we have right now is the coronavirus, the economics, the medical challenges. We have a large government of over 70 uh, parliament members supporting it in the coalition. Um, the issue you raise is not in the critical path of the challenges Israel has right now. Um, there are challenges on the economics and the medical side, uh, and uh, the trial, which is happening in parallel, uh, is not an issue for us Israelis here. Mr. Barkat, he's on trial on three serious counts of corruption, and come January, the court expects him to be there three days a week. You really want a prime minister who's half in and half, half out of the dock at the same time? Prime Minister Netanyahu is doing a very good job in managing Israel. Um, and so I think he's got very strong support by the public, has a wide coalition, and everyone understands that we prefer the best prime minister, and he will manage the trial. He will manage, he will, no, no doubt in my mind, he will be able to manage the country. Uh, he's doing many, many things simultaneously now. He will continue doing that with the trial. Remind you that he's innocent until proven guilty. And everyone, we want everyone that goes to court uh, to prove his uh, innocence. He calls the whole thing a witch hunt, but what if he's convicted in the end? You and the party would go down with him. Are you prepared for that? The Likud party is the leading party in the country. Uh, we have the right ideology, the experience. We have a wide uh, array of talented and good people. Uh, the Likud party will continue even after Netanyahu finishes his role. Uh, I personally intend to run for office and uh, replace Netanyahu once he decides to step down. The Likud has a long history and a big future ahead of us. Yeah, do you buy into the kind of conspiracy that he says has been waged against him? Elements in the police and the prosecution joined forces with the leftist media to manufacture baseless and absurd cases against me, he said. A conflict of interest that cries out to the heavens. Leaving aside the rhetoric, the melodramatic rhetoric, do you really expect people to believe that state prosecutors colluded to do all that? The state attorney several judges, state witnesses, all part of this grand conspiracy, you buy into that? Well, let's put it this way. Um, Netanyahu believes in his innocence and he feels that he's getting an unfair treatment, both by the press 
and, and many, many other elements, maybe also in the police and in other elements of the, um, the legal system in our country. That's what he feels, and he's saying that. Um, you know, yeah, but if, it's, my perspective, if it's such a rotten justice system, at, Mr. Mr. Buck, if it's such a rotten justice system as he paints it, why did he not find out over the last 10 years and do something about it? Turns out it's only a rotten system when it goes after him. Isn't that the truth? There are all systems in our country, and I believe also in yours, um, needs uh, to upgrade and change in time. Uh, at any given moment in time, we have to upgrade the legal system, the court system, the, naturally the government, um, the parliament, which I'm part of. Uh, we must, nobody has uh, immunity from change and, 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 and evolutions. And I think that part of the issues, definitely we have to restructure some of the elements in the, in the relationship between the parliament and the government uh, and the legal system. This is the first time, Mr. Barkat, a serving Israeli prime minister has been formally charged with criminal offenses. Why not do the honorable thing and stand aside in order to fight the indictment and clear his name? Or does this Likud-led government not worry about senior figures under investigation? It certainly doesn't worry about past convictions of some of its members, does it? Tim, we have a law in our country, and the law is, is specifically and explicitly says that the prime minister can continue serving in his role until uh, the high Supreme Court decides otherwise. And, and the reason this law exists is that uh, if somebody wants to kick out a prime minister, he can charge him. And then what happens once the prime minister is found uh, 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 that he's not guilty? Then you've overthrown the prime minister? Just by putting charges against him, it doesn't make any sense. That's why the Israeli law uh, says that he can continue serving his role until, pro uh, until proven guilty by the high Supreme Court. And so we're just following the law. And it makes a lot of sense. You have to understand. It makes well, a lot of sense to protect the prime There's the letter of the law, Mr. Barkat, but there's also morality, something which uh, has brought Mr. Netanyahu scathing criticism from judges on the Israeli Supreme Court. Menachem Mazuz said, a situation in which a defendant charged with serious ethical crimes forms a government and heads it raises a public and moral problem whose magnitude is hard to overstate. Justice Uzi Fogelman said that for the Knesset to choose a, a prime minister charged with bribery undermines the public's faith in its servants. You have no qualms about the any of this. That, You're not interested in the morality that the Supreme Court is talking about here. The answer is that we had elections and all of what you've said was put right on the table to the Israeli public and the Israeli public decided to vote for Prime Minister Netanyahu and the government, the 70 plus uh, 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 parliament members that are part of the coalition out of 120 parliament members are the answer. The public understands exactly what you're saying, what, the, the, uh, what some of the judges said, and went to the ballots and voted Netanyahu. So the answer is we understand all that. We understand that there's a law. We understand that other people think otherwise. But the public decided to support Netanyahu in spite of these challenges. Therefore, I feel comfortable that we are First of all, working by the law, enabling the public to choose their prime minister. The prime minister Netanyahu was able to create a large, wide coalition, and that is the answer to the courts. The Israelis that understand, and, and, well, and uh, we, we're, we're a democracy, the only democracy in the Middle East, 
Nobody around us yeah, well, has you know, such a strong democracy. You, you, you say that, you say that, but one of the judges, Justice Anad Barron, said that appointing a prime minister who's indicted on serious charges doesn't accord with the fundamental principles of Israeli democracy. But you're not much interested in what the judges on the Supreme Court think, are you? That's not true. The, uh, that, well, fact, factually, you're wrong. Because... Well, I'll give you um, an example. Let, let, let um, me give you an example. What has what particularly annoyed your please. party, especially about the Supreme Court, is the fact that it struck down the law you passed in 2017, which retroactively legalized illegal settlements. And that was something your party hasn't been able to forgive, wasn't it? We had howls of hysterical protest in June. Settlements Minister Tsipi Hotovelli accusing the court of declaring war on the right of Jews to settle in the land of Israel. Really? Declaring war on the right of Jews? Is that what you think the, the uh, Supreme Court has been up to? We're not at war with the High Supreme Court. Everyone respects them. They, they have maybe sometimes... a. Um, I would say, an extreme opinion on matters, specific matters, but we all accept the high Supreme Court judgments. We believe that the relationship between the uh, parliament and the high Supreme Court, um, there, there are other places in the world that have different relationships. For example, in Israel, the high Supreme Court, um, for a few times, ruled that laws that we are, we've created in the parliament are illegal. And there are other democracies in the world that don't enable the High Supreme Court to rule out laws that are defined by the parliament. But your in, settlements in England, minister case, didn't in the accept. United States, it's not the case. Your settlements minister didn't accept the judgment from the Supreme Court. Do you accept what the court told you with that law, that it legalized illegal building by Jews in the West Bank and had deeply harmful consequences for the substantive rights of Palestinians. Question is then, why are you passing laws that are so harmful for the Palestinians for the sub their substantive rights? Why do you pass laws like that in the first place? First of all, I respect the High Supreme Court. I will always respect them, even if I don't agree with them. Uh, on the other hand, we are now in the parliament. I'm a parliament member from the Likud party. I want to change the laws so that we have better quality of life. You want to change the laws scenario, or bully the you, court? I was mayor of Jerusalem. Let me, you want to bully the court, let me, don't you? There, there are two... There are two th God forbid, no. You I said the disagree. time has come to restore if, the proper the laws... balance of power between the branches of government. What's that mean? Another attempt to bully the court? God forbid, no. The answer is that uh, we look at other democracies in the world and we see that the relationships are different. Then uh, the balance is different in the United States. The, uh, the president of the United States, he chooses the, uh, the high Supreme Court judges. In other places, there, there's, no, there's different balances and we learn from other democracies. So let me just focus on the point you said. Um, in Judea and Samaria, anywhere you put a shovel in the ground, you find Jewish roots and Jews are allowed to live anywhere they want in the world, in New York, in Germany, in London, in Jerusalem, anywhere, in Arab countries, they can live anywhere they want, especially in places that anywhere you put a shovel, you find our roots and our history in the Bible, and that's not, it's in the Bible, okay? Now, from my perspective, Jews could live there. And right now, applying Israeli sovereignty, Israeli laws, on the Israeli cities and towns, in Judea and Samaria, is the right thing to do from my political perspective. Okay, from my well, ideological I, I, want to come perspective. On, I want to come on to and the we, issue. We should, we, and I want we to want come to apply on to a the, law that. I want to come on to the issue of annexation a bit later. I want to talk first about the 
issue of hate speech, which has been coming from your party. This year's State Department report on human rights from your friendly Trump administration accuses your party directly of promoting hatred. It said during the April and September national elections last year, the Likud party deployed messages promoting hatred against Arab citizens, including a chatbot message on the Prime Minister's Facebook page saying the Arabs want to destroy all of us, women, children and men. Facebook had to suspend it and the Prime Minister said he wasn't aware of the message. Was Likud really so desperate in those elections that it had to resort to such cheap tactics? Tim, I was mayor of Jerusalem for a decade. 10 years. And any time I heard somebody to speak hatred to any side, I was always against it. The Likud party as a whole believes in living together, in cooperation. We have within the Likud party um, Muslims, Christians, and Jews, and Druze, and others. We have um, all kinds of, uh, you know, Haredim, uh, um, uh, which is ultra Orthodox and secular. We have it all. We are a party that focuses on how to live together. Sometimes people may step offline in terms of their speech. I will always be there to remind them that hatred is not the way that we, that's not part of our DNA. Mr. Barkett, did you, did you miss, remind them during uh, uh, speak, the course then, of those uh, elections? We'll, we'll, uh, did you remind them in the course of the elections which brought a torrent of false charges against Arabs? The Prime Minister himself said that if it hadn't been for voting fraud in the April election, the Arab party ballad would not have passed the electoral threshold. Same from the tourism minister, Yariv Levin. The suspicions are that there are over 100 polling stations that are heavily suspected of irregularities. What was the reality? Nothing of, of the kind. The director general of the Central Elections Committee said a police investigation after the April election found suspicion of fraud in two polling stations in the Arab sector. Not 100, just two. And this fraud, he said, had ended up benefiting Likud as well as Shas, another right-wing party. So these allegations that came forth during the elections, I don't remember you challenging any of them, but they were, there was a breathtaking level of dishonesty from your party, wasn't it? Tim, people get carried away in elections, all sides, not just the Likud, practically all parties, unfortunately, sometimes get carried away in their election, uh, uh, in, in the elections. Unfortunately, this is not just an Israeli issue. Uh, I think it's the same on, um, in the United States and in Europe and many, many places. Uh, I am a person that seeks to focus on the common denominator of people, to unite people, and I will always be against such statements. Yeah, but so, it's not happening, uh, is it? Your, you your attempts at unity are not happening. Yes, it no, is. No wonder your president, Reuven Rivlin, commented in January this year when the nation witnesses its leaders spewing hatred at one another, boycotting entire communities and seeking votes via a strategy of divisiveness, what's left for them to believe in. There's nothing in that statement of his for your party to feel proud about, is there? Tim, I said earlier, um, People get carried away in the elections. I personally, and I know that this is part of the DNA of the Likud, is seek the common denominator. And if people step uh, out of line in, in what they're saying, I will always be there. And I will always was there to say that it must, we, we must focus on, on, on different ways to speak. And this is not just for Likud. I'm saying this is a, a Likud parliament member. It's true for all our parliament. Unfortunately, in elections, people get heated up and uh, sometimes misspeak.
It's Which, not just it's um, not just again, about elections, though, not Mr. Parkhead, is it? It's not just about elections. Nowhere is the hardship that the Palestinians live under more apparent than in the city that you ran for two terms as mayor, Jerusalem. Again, your American friends in the Trump administration are scathing about the lack of services for non-Jews in Jerusalem. Their latest report says Arab Christians and Muslims, Druze and Ethiopian citizens face persistent institutional and societal discrimination. This is disgraceful enough, isn't it? But if you go back and look at previous reports, this discrimination has been flagged up year after year and nothing was done to improve the situation. Why? Well, I think you're describing the situation in the United States of America and many other European countries. Uh, I can tell well, you as mayor of Jerusalem Israel, for a decade. I've done fine. You're, I'm just saying that uh, um, if you look at the facts, the quality of life of Arab residents in East Jerusalem is far, far better than any of the Arab countries around us. And the reason they That's understand not much of why a comparison, they want to be part of the United City of Jerusalem, oh, of course it is. The alternative they have is far worse. And so all the non-democracies around us, none of them are democracies, their quality of life is far, far worse. If you look at the, um, the, how many, the, the wages of people, the Arab Israelis, their wages is much, much higher than in, in, in Judea and Samaria. The, the wages of Arab Israelis in Jerusalem, the, uh, the Arab residents, is far, far greater than in Jordan and in any other world, in, in Egypt, in Syria, or any other place. And Mr. so what Mr. Barkat, doing, what Mr. Barkat, done, I'm committed to do that. Mr. Barkat, the proof of neglect and double standards lies, lies in the statistics, doesn't it? Figures quoted by the State Department from the Jerusalem Institute for Policy Research for 2017 show the dire conditions in which Palestinians live in Jerusalem. 78% of Arab residents there and 86% of Arab children in East Jerusalem lived that year in poverty. And that's a policy decision, isn't it? Are you proud of that? God forbid, that's not a policy. And, and by the way, you forgot to mention that we have a huge, a large ultra-Orthodox community in Jerusalem that, that is, is very similar to the Arab communities. The Arab communities around the country are, if you look at the, all the villages in, in our country, you find that their social economic status is lower, uh, unfortunately. Now what I've done is I've focused on education, improve the quality of education, there, uh, unfortunately, some of the Arab residents choose the Palestinian system, the education system, which is far, far less better than the Israeli system. Um, uh, we've done everything to improve both quality of life, infrastructure. Uh, tourism went up before coronavirus to high, high numbers, and, and it's a big, huge uh, employer of Arab residents. And the Arab residents are much, much better as part of the Jerusalem, uh, the United City of Jerusalem, than any other solution. And the fact is, the reality is that they understand that it's much, much better working and cooperating with the state of Israel than anything else. Mr. And if they Barkat. only realize that when you cooperate with the state of Israel, your, your situation, economic situation and peace is far, far better than trying to attack us. Mr. Barkat, let's talk about the prime minister's promise last September to annex nearly a third of the occupied West Bank if he was returned to office. Uh, a big announcement, a July 1st timetable and the assurance in May to a Likud faction meeting, we don't intend to change the deadline. Well, the deadline has come and gone. Did you underestimate the international condemnation of such a move? Well, first of all, in any future uh, deal with the Palestinians, there are no, um, no, nobody goes out from their home 
all Israeli towns and cities stay where they are. Therefore, in any scenario, in any situation, applying Israeli law on Israeli citizens living in Judea and Samaria is the right thing to do. So we start for, this is the right thing to do. It's a bit more uh, than that, point Mr. Barkat, is isn't it? It's a bit more than that, because if annexation goes ahead, it's the end of any hope of a functioning state for the Palestinians, isn't it? The Prime Minister said in May, Palestinians I living totally in the Jordan Valley would not be given Israeli passports after annexation, but would be citizens of a future Palestinian entity and subject to Israeli security control. You will continue to dictate the security conditions to Palestinians. That's what this is going to be about, Tim, isn't it? Tim, listen. There are three pillars of cooperating with the Palestinians in Judean scenario. The first is civil separation. They manage their own cities and towns. We manage the Israeli cities and towns. Second point, 100% full Israeli security. We will not give up an inch of security because unfortunately they flip on us. The third element is a joint economy that we must develop because when we work together in, uh, in, in Palestinians and Israelis work together in our industrial zones and in tourism, it is far, far better for the Palestinians and the Israelis. And so the joint economy is something we must develop. These are the three pillars of living together between Israelis and Palestinians in Judea and Samaria. They, uh, we don't want to manage and we do not manage uh, Nablus, Ramallah, and other uh, Arab uh, cities and towns. Uh, and similarly, they will not manage ours. Nobody's going anywhere. We must learn to live together uh, in peace and harmony. And when there's peace, in any scenario, Israeli law will apply in the Israeli cities and towns. Mr. Barkat, the, the, the rest of the world isn't, isn't buying your comforting assurances. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, summed up the prevailing view. Annexation is illegal, period. She said, any annexation. Any annexation. Well, I totally disagree. I totally disagree. And the Americans now understand that the land in Judean Samaria is, oh, is, is the land of the Jews, and we have no problem with the Palestinians side by side and enable them to have their own civil, to have their civil uh, uh, autonomy. We don't want to get involved in their civil autonomy. Do the, do the Americans scenario. really understand so th that? Do the Americans really understand that? Sipi Hotovelli, your settlements minister, said last month, there are gaps between the Americans and us on this issue. There are gaps. What gaps? Fine. What gaps? The gap is not around understanding that the... Uh, Israeli uh, cities and towns are legal. The, uh, um, Americans understand that. Um, there are some gaps in, uh, with some of the Americans, naturally. Uh, uh, we don't disagree. But uh, they're not, from my perspective, they're not a game changer in terms of what has to be done. The challenges are how large with the, um, uh, uh, applying Israeli law. What is the map? How is it going to look like? And on these details, there are challenges and we're working together with our American friends to define that. We do not want to uh, uh, rule the Palestinian civil life. We propose better cooperation on the joint economy and we will not give up the right to defend ourselves and make sure that we have full Israeli security control on every inch of Judea and Samaria. If, and this if is Joe Biden, if you want real Baca, peace, if Joe this Biden is the only becomes, way to get real peace. If Joe Biden becomes president in November, wins the election in November, becomes president next year, you will have missed what the prime minister called a historic opportunity. He's dead set against this annexation, isn't he? 
Well, well, first of all, let's see that he wins the elections, and we will, any American president that will win, we will sit with him and share our views and do everything we can in the Likud party to do the right thing, to, uh, uh, to, to, take, to apply Israeli law on Israeli cities and towns will be the right thing to do in any potential deal in the future. You have one country, as one of your commentators put it in the newspaper, you have one country with two peoples, four regimes, democracy for Jews, discrimination for Israeli Arabs, military dictatorship for Palestinians in the West Bank, and prison for their brothers in the Gaza Strip. You really telling me you're proud of that? That's total nonsense, with your permission. The reality is that we will give a hand and create peace with our enemies. We've done that with Egypt. Forty years we have peace with Egypt. They were by far the biggest enemy of Israel. Similarly with Jordan. And Israel knows how to create real peace deals. Uh, unfortunately, look what happens in, in the Hamas in Gaza. We left Gaza one-sidedly. The Israeli army left Gaza. And what did we get? Everyone talked about the future of Gaza as being, a, a, you know, hopefully a, a beautiful place for business. What did they do? You, you, you left, you left economy, Gaza, but you focused, stood outside and you're controlling everything that did, goes in and everybody who goes in and out. With all due respect, I, it, heard that Gaza, I heard that Gaza will be the Singapore of the Middle East now that Israeli army is not there. What happened is exactly the opposite. So people that are saying, uh, God forbid, if you leave uh, security um, in, in, in Judean scenario, we will get a Gaza. Uh, the Hamas right next to Jerusalem and all this, uh, the, the, the heart of Israel. So all right. we will never make that mistake again. Mr. That Mr. Was Baka, a big we could go on discussing this. That... We could go on discussing this much longer. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Thank you very much for being on Conflict Zone. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.